verses that the Lord uh, gave us at the start of the year was uh, Exodus 2020. Because we realized we weren't trying to find some numbers that work together for the year, but it just turned out that way. Uh, and uh, in Exodus 2020, it tells us that if we fear the Lord, we have nothing else to fear. And of course, we understand that you can't have a relationship with somebody that you're afraid of. So when he's talking about the fear of the Lord, he's not talking about you cowering. He's talking about reverence, respect. And, and, and with that in mind, when, when I look at this year and the way that it unfolded, it unfolded in a way that most of us did not anticipate seeing what we saw. But I think it's really great because I understand that the devil can't create anything. And all he can do is respond to, or react to what he knows God is doing. And so we've seen one of the most powerful reactions I've seen since I've been a Christian. I would have never been, wouldn't have believed that churches would close and, and all of the things that happened during the pandemic. But it only leads me to something greater because that's a reaction to what God is about to do. I was talking with my friend Ed, Ed Dixon over in uh, Kiev in the Ukraine the other day, and he, he doesn't exaggerate. And he said he has seen more miracles, more signs and more wonders than ever before. And he said years ago, he said, you couldn't preach on the streets because they would say you're just part of the cult. Like if you're not a part of the Orthodox Church over there, you're a Protestant and, and a cult. He said, now everybody's listening. And so when I think about God being a master farmer, I've got to think that he's going to do our field next. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so get excited about global glory because he said, as surely as I live, Habakkuk 2.14, maybe we should go there. We've been looking at it all year, but let's look at it again. Such as a phone watching you trying to find Habakkuk. No, just look around. After a while, people will start looking. <laughs> Fake it. Leave it on another page. Right? <laughs> okay, you got it. Okay. <laughs> but look at this, verse 14. For the earth shall be filled with violence, crime, corruption. No. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge. And that word knowledge there is not intellectual knowledge. That's revelation knowledge. The earth, the unsaved people will know the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And then he says, as the waters cover the sea, he's talking about when Noah's flood hit and wiped everybody out. He said, I've got a wave coming. The wave is going to sweep many, many, many people into the kingdom of God. And I have saved the best for last. And you're here right now. You're the best that he saved for the last. Yeah, but you got to know that. And it's not about, it's not about um, your, it's, it's about your potential. It's about, it's about you being a mighty man, mighty woman of valor. It's about you that he's anointed to do exploits. It's about you that has a different fingerprint than everyone else. It's about you that has a different retina and eye scan than anyone else. It's about, and then the cool thing is he's going to do it suddenly. In your life. Moses thought it was over. He tried to do it on his own and killed an Egyptian. And then he ran and hid for 40 years thinking, surely, surely 
God is finished with me. He can't use me anymore. And then one day, he saw a bush on fire. There was a bushes. When you go to the desert, you'll find that bushes will, will ignite anyway. You know, the, the, the heat and the dryness. But this one, this one didn't burn because God was saying, I still got the fire in you, Moses. I still got the glory in you. And now that I've gotten your, your flesh out of the way, now that I've removed your flesh out of the way, now I can send you to do what I've... But God, I'm, it's too late. No, it isn't too late. <laughs> no, no. He can do more. Come on, he can... Think about Jesus being prepared for 30 years, for three years of... Whoosh. Don't you think he can do it with you? Why did he save you for last? You could have been born 100 years earlier. But you're born, you're here, you're here today. You're in this building today, not by accident, but on purpose. Because God's got a divine destiny for you. So what should I do? I was hoping you'd ask. Let's go to, uh, back to um, Joshua chapter 3. Well, let's again look at chapter 2 of Joshua and verse 11. How about verse 10? Verse 9 is good too. No, this is Ray. Yeah, but this is Rahab, and I like to point her out because of her profession, because she was a prostitute. Just like Mary Magdalene, the first one that ever saw Jesus rise from the grave, was a prostitute. And why did why didn't he go to the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees? Because he wanted you to know that it doesn't it doesn't matter about you. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done. And, and besides that, what you're doing doesn't, isn't, doesn't determine who you are. You're a new creation. My Bible tells me I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Do I still act up and mess up? Yeah, but I don't practice, I don't practice sin anymore. I practice righteousness. And I practice sin, ask people that knew me. I was a professional. And now I'm working on being professional in God. And some days are really great. And then some days are really good. And then you get out of bed. <laughs> but anyway, Joshua and Caleb, it talks about Joshua and Caleb here in chapter 2. But Rahab had heard about their coming across the Red Sea 40 years earlier, and she made a decision. If I have to wait 40 years, I'm going to wait for these guys to come back again. And so their wait, so her wait got her, when you think about her, she married Solomon, one of the spies, and Solomon begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David, and she's in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like Ruth the Moabite. She wasn't even allowed the Moabites weren't even allowed in the temple. She married Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. What I'm saying is, when God decides to do something, he doesn't check your past to determine your future. Other people may do that. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. So, so look at this, verse 11. As soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither was there any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord God, he's the God of heaven on earth and the earth beneath. 
Now, here we're looking at a couple of guys. Joshua and Caleb had been derailed for 40 years. They had to sit in a church where no one believed anything until all those people died off. And then they went in and took their promised land. Right? Then they, then they moved in. So they were derailed for a while. But Hebrews chapter 4 tells us why. Hebrews 4 and verse 1 says, The gospel was preached to them just the same as it's being preached to you right now. But verse 2 says, But it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. Like if I say to you today, Isaiah 43, 18, God says, I'm, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Today I'm going to do a new thing in your life. Faith is now. Today I'm going to do a new thing in your life. Shall you not know it? Will you believe it? Will you receive it? When you mix that with faith, when you hear it and say, well, we'll just wait and see how it's going to happen this time. No, no. When you believe, when you believe that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, now is the evidence of things not yet seen. When I say to you, God is about to do a new thing in the earth, a new thing in your finances, a new thing in your health, a new thing, come on, a new thing in your family. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? He said, I'll make a way in the wilderness and run rivers in your desert places, dry places. You've been dry, spiritually dry in places. He said, I'm going to run a river of anointing right through that. But he said, behold, he said, you know, he that is hungry, he that is thirsty, let him come on to me and let him drink. Make sure you're in the drinking section, not the thinking section. No, no, lots of people sit in the thinking section. And to try to figure out God. Now, how's he going to do that? How's he going to do that? How could he prosper me overnight? How, how could he change my health overnight? How could he change my family situation overnight? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Will you not know it? Because if you know it, you can flow in it. Today's a brand new day. Hallelujah. Hmm. Where did I say go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so anyway, Caleb and Joshua were, were derailed for a while, but they didn't let go of their faith. They, they saw the promised land. They were the, two of the spies that went out and brought back those big grapes, grapes as big as grapefruit, so that you could see that what God has for you in your future is bigger than you've ever seen to this day. And they, 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 they didn't see the giants. They didn't see their inferiority. They didn't see themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as giant killers. Matter of fact, uh, Caleb said, they're just bread for us. <laughs> What's going on in the world right now is just bread for us. Politicians aren't going to determine our destiny. Hallelujah. God is in charge. And our God is about to behold, do a new thing. In your life today, no, no, you, you just need to sit there and say, thank you, Lord, I'm putting my faith on that right now. I'm putting my faith on that new thing right now. I don't have to feel faith. I found out faith is a law like gravity. That I keep the switch turned on. I don't have to feel, oh, I felt the anointing of God. Boom, I knew it was a word from the Lord. No, it's a word from the Lord whether you feel anything or not. Just flip the switch. Say, I believe that. You get to believe, come on, you get to believe whatever you want. Choose to believe God today. 
stop believing the liar today. Yeah. Think about the fact that the Bible says he's a liar and the father of lies, so how could he ever tell you the truth anyhow? When you hear a voice that says you're not going to make it, man, you better buy something new. Get some new sunglasses because your future's bright. Come on. No, no, but this is the greatest time for the church. Habakkuk 2 and verse 9 says, The glory of this latter house will be greater than the former house, says the Lord. Joel 2.23, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. You're going to get the early and the latter rain both in the first month. He said, I got a flood coming, and it's not like Noah's flood that wiped everybody out. It's like the flood in the upper room when they came out and 3,000 people got born again in one day in one city. And 5,000 by the end of the week. That's the flood we're talking about. It's not over. It's just beginning. <laughs> no, no, lots of people saying they're going to rapture the church and going home. No, you're not going home. Not until the job's done. <laughs> you might not care if everybody's going to hell, but God does. He said, I'm not willing that any should perish. I didn't come to condemn the world, but to reconcile the world back to myself. Amen. So Joel chapter 3, Joshua rather, chapter 3. Joshua rose up early in the morning and removed from Shittim and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after these days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites carrying it, then you remove from here and follow after it. We realize that the Ark of the Covenant represents the, president, the presence of God. But now I would say, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and God lives in you, walks in you. But all of this is a type and a shadow of what's coming now. He said, and follow behind the Ark of the Covenant in the King James. I like it because it says 2,000 cupids. And it indicates to me what God is going to do 2,000 years after Jesus. It also represents what he did when Jesus came 2,000 years after they passed over. So it's all there. But it's kind of like in Hebrews chapter 6 where it says that he is the forerunner that went ahead of you beyond the veil. He's gone before us, and now we're just holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, following him, right? Are you with me so far? Amen. So 2,000. So Hebrews chapter 6, you can look that up later if you want to. But look, the last part of verse 4 is what I want you to see because we have not passed this way before. And that has been uh, something that I've been dealing with since the start of the year. Because I, I, heard, I know I heard the Lord say that he's going to pour out, that we're going to walk in the glory. Come on, Hebrews 2.10 says that the captain of our salvation came to restore many sons back to glory. So back to glory to me is God's original intention for humans to walk in the fullness of the things of the Spirit. Matter of fact, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Then you get born again, and, and now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then it's Romans 8, 19, all of creation waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. Sons of God have been here for 2,000 years, but all of creation is not waiting for some election to change the world. All of creation is waiting for a manifestation of what's, the people that have already been here. So I know this, I believe this with all my heart, but I don't know how to manifest the glory. 
Anybody like to help me out with that? I know what it is essentially in, in Genesis chapter 31, when, when Jacob finally got, how many of you know the story about Jacob and how he worked for Laban for 20 years? And while he was working there, he got his wages changed 10 times. That was not promotion. That was rip off. And then he said, if a sheep died, I'm out in the cold looking after the sheep. And if a sheep died, I had to pay for it. So he got ripped off for 20 years, but he had a promise from God. The promise of the firstborn. How many of you here today have exceeding great and precious promises that you might partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust? So you've got promises. You got promises from God. They were going into the promised land. You're going into the promises land. But you haven't passed. It says here, you haven't passed this way before. So we're going somewhere where the church has never been. Well, I know we look at the early church and, and really the book of Acts is the only pattern for a church. Man has come up, come up with all kinds of great ways to build a church and, and, you know, corporate America, corporate, you can do things to increase numbers, but you can't build a church. You can build a congregation, but you can't build a church. A church is when everybody's winning. <laughs> a church is when everybody's growing and going and come on. The church is when everybody's loving one another in spite of our differences. Amen. No, that's, that's church. And you can't slam the church because God so loved the church that he gave his life for it. So how can I raise up my voice against the church? Can't do it. So you can't do it. But anyway, now Laban in, in Genesis, in Genesis 31, Laban had, can we just go there? And we'll come back to Joshua chapter 3. Um, you're all familiar with doing this all the time anyway, right? So, Go where the Spirit leads you, amen? Uh, chapter 31, verse 1. He heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and that which our, all that our father's has, he's gotten all of the, his glory. And the reason why this verse is key is because the word kabod, this is the first time it's ever used in the Bible. And the, there is a law in the Hebrew language called the law of first reference. And so whenever you find the first time it's used, you'll find the truth of that buried in every other time it's used. So <laughs> think about Exodus 33 and verse 18, when Moses said, I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. You know, we're hungry for the glory of God. And Moses realized that it was the only thing that was going to transport him into what God had called him to do. Therefore, it's the only thing that's going to transport us. It takes the pressure off. I can't produce the glory. I can't produce miracles. I can't produce signs and wonders, but I can get my expector. I'm expecting God. No, we haven't passed this way before. The early church did signs and wonders and miracles, but nothing compared to what needs to be done in this generation when there's more people living on the planet right now than there was from the beginning of time until now. Why? Because he waited till the, till the last for the huge harvest. No, that's the reason why the planet is so full of people right now. That's the reason why you know, the globalists want to kill everybody off. <laughs> they think there's too many of us. We're here. 
my Bible says that manifestations of the Son of God are going to start happening. And they're not going to happen. I tell you this all the time because I want you to understand it. He's not going to use pastors and fivefold ministry people. I'm not saying he's not going to use the people, but this is the body of Christ. And it will happen on the streets. And it will happen in your house. It'll happen at your place of business. It'll happen in places where you weren't even expecting it to happen. And you'll get embarrassed. Because <laughs> exposure is good for the soul. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, you've taken everything that was the Father's glory. Now, this word kabod means it's the very essence of his being. It means all that he is, all that he has. It means his power. It means his presence. It means his anointing. Like Laban was stripped bare, but when God says, I came to restore you back to glory, he's saying, everything that I am, all my power, all my presence, all my anointing, What's the last thing that he said to the disciples? Didn't he say, you know, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel? He said, all authority has been given to me. And once I got Adam's authority back, I gave it to you. And now in this day, I'm going to show you how to use it. I'm going to show you how Luke 10, 19 works. You're going to tread upon the serpent, the scorpion, over all the power of the enemy and nothing. And not by any means will hurt you. I'm coming back for a victorious church washed in the blood of the lamb without spot, without wrinkle. I'm not coming back to get some defeated, half-dragging out church and take, you know, lots of people think the rapture is coming to rescue the church. Man, let me tell you, this is not it at all. If you read your Bible, <laughs> my Bible says the very God of peace will bruise Satan under my feet shortly. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, no, what did he give you all the armor of God for? And he said, after you put on all the armor of God, stand. He didn't say run. <laughs> he said, man, you better get ready. You think what de the devil did over the past few months is something? He said, wait till I show up in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I came to restore the sons back to glory, but he said, I'm not waiting until you're gone to show the earth my glory. I'm going to manifest that. How do you know? Because Ephesians 3... 10 says it very clearly, to the intent that now onto the principalities and powers might be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, in whom we have access and boldness and confidence with faith. Whew. No, but you, you, then you get into that prayer and he's saying, pray that you'll be strengthened with might by my spirit in your inner man, that Christ dwells in your heart by faith. You're rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all the saints, the bread, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, to be filled, to be filled, to be filled with the fullness of God. Then he says, now on to him. That's powerful to do. Exceedingly abundantly above all your pea brain can ask or think. May you get glory. He said, I'll get glory in your life. God is going to glorify his church. That's you. You have a treasure in an earthen vessel, but don't focus on the earthen vessel. There's a treasure in you. Thinking about, oh, I'm just an earthen vessel. No, there's a treasure in you. <sighs> okay, Laban, we've got to leave you alone now. Back to Joshua chapter 3. He said, yes, there's a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. 
Don't come near onto it. That you, why? Because you need to be, follow close enough. You just walk in the footsteps. If I walk in his footsteps, there'll be no more drag marks in the sand. Right? No, Alex, I used to call it bum prints in the sand. That's where he <laughs> threw me ahead. <laughs> he's faithful. I'm so glad he's faithful. Verse 5, and Joshua said unto the people, this is your part. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do. Now listen, okay. So if we're going to mix this message with faith, like Hebrews 4, 2. Tomorrow, what day is that? That's Monday. Well, even better than that, he says in Corinthians 4, 5, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of miracles. It's right now. So all I'm asking is, Holy Spirit, you, you promised to come and guide me into all the truth, to take the things of Jesus, take the things of the Word of God and reveal them unto me and show me things to come. So I'm expecting to know what's coming up next. I thank you, Lord, that when I'm taken by surprise, it's going to be a good surprise. Could be like Stephanie and Paul doing testimony on a Thursday night. It could be something good like that. <laughs> <laughs> glory to god all right okay sanctify yourselves for tomorrow i'm going to do signs and wonders one okay so what does it mean to be sanctified it means to be set apart i've already been set apart corinthians 130 says that jesus has been made unto me wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption so i'm already separated in the sense, I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ, but there's something that I must have to walk out here. So sanctify means to be holy, to set yourself apart, to be clean, to be prepared, to be fulfilled, to change your thinking. Matthew 4.13 says, you, you, know that you're, you know that you need to repent or change your attitude and change your actions for an invasion from the spirit realm is imminent. So simply to, when I, when I read this, I realize that if I d- keep doing the same things, you know, this that I've done, I'll keep getting what I've always gotten. And I realize that, okay, for me to do, I need to, I need to do something different to get a different result. So I'm not looking to change. I'm not going to, you know, like I have a friend one time, he said, I, you know, Smith Wigglesworth got up at, at four o'clock every morning and, and did his communion. So he started doing it too. And, but it didn't do any good because it wasn't what God asked him to do. It was something that he came up with. So, but there, but there is a little. There's ordinary, and then there's a little extra that I. There's something. There's something that I can do. I can't change me because New Year's resolutions don't work. But but I can change something that I do to let God know I'm serious about this, Lord. I. I'm just not going to be lulled to sleep anymore by the world. If there's something that you can, and, and then I'm not going to declare that I'm going to do it because I've seen that backfire too. I said, I'm going to pray for two hours every morning. No, you won't. You'll fall asleep in 15 minutes. And then, and then you'll be discouraged because, and then, you know, why? it's not the big lofty goal. It's that little something extra, little something extra. Just doing a little something extra to show your faith 
in what God is about to do on the earth. I'm saying, God, I don't want to be a spectator in the stands. I want to be in this game. And I don't care who you use. I, I'm, I get so, some, I get friends that call me, like Dennis Burke called me one time and he said, you should have been there. And I'm saying, I'm tired of that, Dennis. I'm tired of hearing I should have been there. I want God to move here. <laughs> and I'm not waiting for some special evangelist to come in and bring it either. I got people right here that are going to bring it. Come on, that's what makes it extraordinary when he begins to use people that you'd never suspect. They're shaking the world. Amen. So he said, I'm going to do signs and wonders among you. So sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. I'm going to do great things in your midst. Amen. Hallelujah. And so let's now go to Joshua chapter 14. Now, the great thing about Joshua chapter 14 is they didn't have Christ in them. They had a word from God. And they saw with their natural eyes the grapes and all of the promises in the promised land. But our promises are exceeding great and precious, and we've got a whole book for them. And they all belong to you. Don't be disappointed when you get to heaven and see what you pass by, because you didn't think it was available. Kabod. Like Moses said, I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Everything that you have, everything that you purposed and planned for my life to fulfill my destiny, you've already placed it on the inside of me. Show me how to draw it out. Show me, show me how to get it up and get it out. Proverbs 20 and verse 4 says, Wise counsel is hidden in the heart of a man, and a man of understanding will draw it out. And I'm convinced that drawing it out, your bucket is praying in other tongues. He said, but you, beloved, building up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. Whew. Amen. But anyway, let's look in on Caleb again. Because now they're in the promised land. And I love this story. I was talking with Marlon Lefebvre about it the other day. Because Marlon and I share this thing in common. He really loves teachers. And so do I. But Mylan, the church that he grew up in, um, they didn't know the Word of God. So what they had was they had people running around on Wednesday and Sunday and, and getting drunk in the Holy Ghost, but then they would fail all week long. So that's what actually what caused Mylan to backslide and go away from the things of the Spirit of God. So then move forward, he comes into the kingdom of God because, because Kenneth and Gloria Copeland found him on the beach when he was dying of a heart attack. And they teach him the word of God. And so now, so now he's in the word of God, in the word of God, in the word of God, but dismissed all of the other things. And I said, Mylon, I know what you're talking about because my Bible says in, in uh, James 1 and verse 2 that I'm to count it all joy, maximum joy, when I fall into diverse temptations, tests and trials, knowing that the trial of my faith works patience and so on. And so, but, but Alex, when I, when I read that, I'll go and get a book on it. I'll go get a teaching on it, but I won't do it. I'll learn how to teach somebody else how to do it, but, but how to count it all joy? I thought that's a part that's been missing 
in my life. And then my wife is in the other dish with that, if you know her at all. <laughs> no, no, she, she's laughing all the time. <laughs> it's good, but sometimes I don't feel like laughing. <laughs> I know, I know, but, but again, you know, it's like, it's like there's the word and the spirit and we've had this, we've had the spirit and we've had the word, but never the two of them together before. Like that Toronto blessing that was going on up there with John Arnott and those guys, they had the spirit, but there wasn't a whole lot of word. And so. Oh, um, by the way, I can mention them now because I, I, I called John Arnard a couple of years ago and apologized to him for judging what was going on up there. And then I saw Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and some of those people come out. They're full of the Holy Ghost and powerful. So I dismissed everything because I didn't. But again, I, it was 93. I knew everything back then. So. <laughs> no, I did. I did. I did. I knew it all back then, man. I was going to tell somebody who's been in the ministry 30 years how to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but stood up in a crowd of pastors and said, hey. Been pastoring for three months at the time. Yeah. Yep. None of, none of you have ever been there, but. Hey, if you think you know much now, there's a good chance. <laughs> there's so much. God wrote this book. He said you have the mind of Christ in, in Corinthians 2.16, but he didn't mean you got to, it's here. And you still have to dig it out and you can get some, just when you think you know something, something else pops up. I don't know. Anyway, let's look in on Caleb now because Caleb is now 85 years old. So he waited 45 years to get to this moment in his life. But 45 years, this is the point. Yeah, this is, was the point of bringing up Mylon. Mylon was, Mylon Lefevre, for those of you that followed his ministry, he's 76 years old now. And so he was saying, I'm 76 years old. And his wife, Christy, got on him and said, Mylon, you need to change your talk. You believe the word of God that a man is justified by his words and condemned by his words. You need to start saying, I'm only 76. That one word only changes everything. Now you're not talking yourself into being old because you realize that you still have a destiny to fulfill. And Moses didn't even start till he was 80. So don't come around here talking old. But now let's look at Caleb. He's such a great example here. Caleb, the son of whoever, the Canaanite. If you can pronounce his name, you can come up and do it for me. Uh, you know the thing that the Lord said unto Moshe, unto Moses, the Lord God, concerning me and Kadesh Barnea. You, you know that I have a promise. He held on to his promise for 45 years You've been believing God for two months and you're ready to quit? Come on, you champion, you. Read Hebrews 11 to find out every one of them was a flake and every one of them did great exploits in the kingdom of God. So it doesn't even matter where you came from. 
<laughs> no, no, we all came from the irregular bin. You knew that. Okay. okay. But we're created in the image and the likeness of God. We got married by Adam. Adam started making excuses, and we've been doing the same thing ever since. So He said, you know the thing that the Lord promised me in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old I was when Moses and the servants of the Lord sent me into Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word again that was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the hearts of the people melt. They, they fainted with discouragement. They literally fainted with discouragement because they heard that there, were, that they were, there were giants in the land. Let me just say this. Maybe a giant in stature, seven foot, eight foot tall, maybe that. But in your life, it may be just that you're inferior. It may be in fear. You're in fear, inferior. If you, if you think that other people are better than you, then, then you don't understand that you were created in the image and the likeness of God. If you, if you think that you're inferior to other people, you don't realize that God made you in his image and in his likeness and told that you could have dominion. He said, receive the grace and the gift of righteousness, Romans 5.17, and reign in your life by one Christ Jesus. He said, I called you to reign, not to get reigned on. Don't be under the circumstances. Get them under you. Ephesians 2.6 says you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Take your seat. That seat is a seat of authority. That seat you're sitting in right now is not that seat. It's that seat of authority is the place where you reign from. So you're not praying to God in heaven. You're speaking the word of God from heaven. In Jeremiah 1.12, he said, I'll watch over my word to perform it. Isaiah 55.11 says, my word won't return unto me void. It'll prosper. It'll accomplish what I set it into the earth to do. And I made you priests and kings unto your God. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation to show forth the praises of him that's called you out of the darkness and into this glorious light. You're not a victim. You're a victor. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Thanks be to God who always gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're steadfast and unmovable and abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. We're champions. We got the bloodline of a champion. There's champion blood flowing in us. Your blood type is B positive. <sighs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got the bloodline of a king. Come on, Romans 8, 17. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Don't tell me things aren't going well for you. If things aren't going well for you, then you're looking in the natural. Oh, come and let us magnify the Lord today, David said. Magnify the Lord. Don't magnify your debt and your distress and your discontentment. Magnify the Lord. And when you magnify the Lord, that champion blood starts to pump up on the inside of you. Amen. So Caleb, God bless Caleb. He said, nevertheless, my brethren, it made the people's hearts to faint. But look at this. But I wholly followed the Lord. He starts talking about this in Numbers, in the last chapters of Numbers, and then he mentions it again in Deuteronomy chapter 21, or, or chapter 1, rather. The reason why I'm pointing it out is, holy followed the Lord is mentioned five times regarding Caleb. And when I read that five times, I'm thinking five is the number for grace, and what he did in the natural, I'm doing by the grace of God. I'm set apart by the grace of God. And the Holy Ghost, I'm, I'm his disciple, his disciplined one, and I continue in his word, 
and I know the truth, and the truth makes me free. And I'm getting freer all the time because revelation of the truth is coming. No, but it's kind of like when, when he says, Behold, I'll do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. It's not necessarily a new scripture, but it's a new revelation on that scripture. It's, it's new insight into what he's doing on the earth. So now you can look at the political system and all of that. Let me tell you, there's more authority in this room than there is in all of Ottawa. It's the truth. It's the truth. How do you activate it? By getting, getting out there and slinging the word of God. Out. Begin to speak the word over everything and watch things begin to change. Why? Because you're the one with the authority. He said, I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land that my feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. So this is all we're talking about here. We're talking about doing things his way. We're talking about Matthew 6, 33, seeking first the kingdom in his way of doing things and acknowledging him. Come on, like Proverbs 3, acknowledge him in all of his ways and he'll direct, all your ways rather than he'll direct you. It's just like, okay, God, let me, let me make sure that it's your will today. Right? Because Gary has a will. Just don't ask me to do anything I don't want to do, God. I'll be fine. <laughs> no, when he does that, you're thinking, well, when I get around to it. Right? But then when we want something from him, it's like, where are you right now, God? Hallelujah. Okay, let's read a little further and then we'll be done. Verse 16. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And these 45 years since the Lord spoke the word to Moses while the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness. Come on, you've watched people. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've watched people wandering around in the wilderness keep going. Like if you don't break that solar system, if you don't break that cycle, those things keep happening. You have bad marriage and then have another one, and then have another one, and then have another one. It's like the guy that was talking, he said, I've been married three times and I keep marrying the wrong woman. I said, no, no, no. I, I met the women you married. They were nice when you met them. <laughs> what you don't like is what you created. <laughs> no, but those cycles have to break. The, the, that 40 years in the wilderness is such a type of people keep doing the same thing, wanting different results. And then saying, God, why won't you? God is saying it's an 11 day journey into the promised land. If you want to stay here 40 years, that's up to you because I am perfect in all my ways. And I'm also a perfect gentleman. I'm not going to interfere on what you seem to be committed to, you know, committed to making those bad decisions over and over and over again. No, break the cycle today. Behold, I'm doing a new thing now. Now, the change is happening right now. I, I'm going to continue in your word. Be your disciplined one indeed and know the truth. And the truth is going to make me free. Hallelujah. The more I know, the freer I get. Hallelujah. So he said, uh, the Lord kept me alive. Verse, I love verse 11. And I'm as strong today as the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, oh, I'm 76. No, as my strength was then. Come on, Psalm 103. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. 
You forgive all of my iniquities. Heal all of my diseases. Deliver my life from destruction. Crown me with loving kindness and tender mercies. And satisfy my mouth with your word. And I keep my youth renewed like the eagle. I keep talking faith over my body. Faith over my soul. Faith over my circumstances. I'm not going to get down with the world, down and dirty with them. No. He said, he said, look at this. He said, the Lord sent, he said, the strength I had then is the strength I have now for war and to both go out and to come in. He said, and now this is, this is, this is your prayer. Now give me my mountain. Give me what I've been believing God for, for 45 years. See, you're not demanding on God. He already gave it. Ephesians 1.3 says he's already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. You're making a demand on the covenant. God's not keeping anything from you. Satan is, but he's illegal. Don't let him keep anything that belongs to you in Jesus' name. Give me this mountain. For you heard in that day how the Anaconda... Now listen, he's asking for a mountain that's full of giants. He's not asking for an easy way. He's saying, let me go kill some of these rats. No, but can you see the, you fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life? He wasn't saying, make it easy for me, God. No, show me how to, show me how to destroy the enemy's tactics in my town, my city, my home, my family. Show me how to rise up in the glory of God and defeat the enemy. And I guarantee you, when people start popping out of wheelchairs like they should be all the time, when people start getting the miracles and signs and wonders like they should all the time, you won't have to advertise a church service. They'll be coming to your house. John G. Lake, they used to line up outside of his house in the morning. He couldn't get away. He was just one guy that God dropped into the earth to show you what to expect in your life. So you're not looking for John G. to pray for you. You're looking for somebody that needs prayer. But it's just that, you know, the renewing of the mind by the word of God. He said, I know how to both go out and go in and now give me this mountain for, for you heard in that day. The Anacombs are there in the fenced cities. If, if so, shall the Lord be with me. I but look at this. This is what the part I like. I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. How did it happen? Verse 14, the last part of the verse, because he wholly followed the Lord of Israel. So, so I just want to close with one more verse. You got time for one more verse? Okay. Colossians chapter one. It may be chapter one. It could be chapter two. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Whose house are we? Know ye not you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're wall-to-wall God. All the apostles said, why are you living like mere men? Don't you know? Don't you know? He said, I pray that you'll get wisdom and revelation, knowledge, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you'll know the hope of your call, that the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That you just know this. He knew it. He knew it. He, he had such a revelation of it. Colossians chapter 2. You know these verses. Get a revelation of them. Verse 9 and 10. For in him, in Jesus, dwells all. Everybody say all. all. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
How about the next verse? And you are what? Not going to be. Not trying to be. Not it'll be so good when I get there. I know we all have the ideal me. Someday you're going to be. (laughs) God doesn't love who you're going to be. He loves who you are right now. Complete in him. You are complete in him. You are complete in him right now. He sees you as a finished product. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.